Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us today is Bo, the founder and CEO of Soul Academy. Bo, it is such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we've been excited about this for a while. We've been looking forward to having you on. We've got so much to talk about. So just thank you so much for being here tonight. It's my pleasure, Ryan. Thank you, Adam. Thank you to everyone listening. Yeah, I've been following the podcast for quite a while and just love what you guys are doing. Love the energy, love the commitment to the space and ready to rock. Thanks so much, Bo. Bo, why don't you just get started by telling us a little bit about who you are, tell our listeners about uh, how you got involved in education and maybe just a little bit about the mission of Soul Academy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Bo McCoy and the CEO and founder of Soul Academy. Soul Academy stands for Simple Online Learning. It's an ecosystem for sharing educational content and resources. And I was the kind of person who wasn't really into school so much as a younger student. And then I had this amazing fourth grade teacher. Her name is Miss Odette Wills. And she brought everything that I liked in life to the classroom, whether it was sports, music, TV shows. She brought like subjects to life. And all of a sudden I discovered this joy of learning and after fourth grade school became so easy for me you know because I was just interested like I figured out how to do it I also grew up in a town that was very diverse very mixed both racially and socioeconomically so I came from a lens of everyone is the same and we can all have this you know opportunity and that school wasn't that hard if you know how to learn then you can basically learn anything well then I went to an Ivy League school and my dreams were shattered where I didn't see too many people who look like me. I didn't see people from diverse backgrounds, either racially or socioeconomically. And it was really hard for me to kind of bring together what I grew up with and what I was now experiencing. I graduated with a degree in computer science and went on to work in a bunch of software companies. And again, I saw horrible, you know, underrepresentation of people from lower socioeconomic classes and from brown and black backgrounds. They just weren't in these big technology companies. And it didn't make any sense. And I just kind of fell into working in education in the year 2014 at a very early stage company called GoGuardian. And we were one of the very first partners for Google's Chrome. And we grew really, really fast. One of the fastest growing companies in the history of education. So I had the opportunity to talk with and work with thousands of IT folks and teachers and principals and school leaders across thousands of districts all around the United States. And I just absolutely fell in love with education because finally what I did every day mattered to someone besides myself. You know, I was part of something bigger and I got why teachers always say they heard the call to teach. I finally got that. And once you have it, you can't let it go. I was fortunate to take some time after that and travel. I spent over two years traveling over 30 different nations, primarily in Latin America, Southeast Asia, and Africa. And what I learned there was people are people, I believe, throughout the entirety of the world and throughout the entirety of time. But what's different is the opportunities that they're afforded. And the best way to get those opportunities is through education. And it was through that that I learned, you know, my mission and what really brings me happiness is to bring high quality education to everyone in the world with as much time as I have left in this body. So I came back to the United States. It was the end of 2019. I was working with school districts in Los Angeles County, and I encountered disparity like I had never imagined before when schools closed. I was living in Santa Monica, which is like a, a more wealthier area. And when schools closed, they students were thriving. You know, they had 
laptops, they had connectivity, they had teachers who were prepared, they had all the systems dialed in. But the schools that I was working with, which were in lower socioeconomic areas, primarily black and brown students, literally did zero. And to this date, there's about 4 million students in the United States alone who have done no learning since schools closed back in March 2020. So I had a real problem with this two ways. Number one, the great disparity that I saw, but also just a lack of representation in the teaching community. Only 2% of teachers in the United States are African-American males, yet they make up about 8% of the population. So this is massive, massive you know, uh, disparity. And it's really important that you have that same experience that I had in fourth grade, where a teacher brought my culture to the classroom and inspired that love of learning. So I looked around and I said, what can I do about this? Th this was like my calling, like I heard the call at this point. And I said, well, what students do to me is very obvious. They watch videos. They watch videos and they play games. And studies have shown they're, you know, they're streaming media, playing games 15, 18, sometimes 20 hours a day. But learning is primarily done in person. So I see this gap. And so what I theorized was if we could take amazing black and brown educators from all over the United States, get them to make short format videos, we could engage and inspire a generation of young learners by meeting them through the activity that they're already doing, which is watching video, right? Which is streaming media. And this is how the concept of Soul Academy is born. And so I worked on it pretty much all of last year. We just launched at the beginning of this year of January. And now our mission is to basically bring high quality educational content to every learner all around the world. Because what I learned is it's not just about solving one small problem. We actually, we need to learn from each other, whether you're in the United States or Uganda or Brazil or wherever, there's so much learning that needs to happen. And so it's the same math lesson, that same fourth grade math in the United States or any nation on earth that can be taught in a million different ways based on the experience and the culture of the person who's teaching it. And this is what the ecosystem is all about. It's about sharing amazing content that reflects your personality as an educator and whatever makes you uniquely special to connect with students who just love that message. And so that's what we're all about in Soul Academy. That's tremendous, Bo. Now, I, Bo I, I just absolutely love that you began by giving a shout out to your fourth grade teacher and tying it back into her mission and purpose in life, because I think there's this misconception on the part of a lot of folks that those of us who are passionate about ed tech are trying to undermine teachers or trying to replace teachers. But I, I know from talking to you a little bit on your Telegram channel, Decentralized Education, and I know from, from your passionate response just now, that what you're actually about is empowering teachers to reach every student. Um, absolutely love that. Say a little bit more about how ed tech and your vision and your mind um, puts the power back in the hands of teachers to teach students. Absolutely. You know, teaching is incredibly hard. I could not do it. I couldn't stand up and give the five shows a day. It's not my role. So I have this great admiration for teachers who do. Uh, to be able to connect with 30 individuals or 180 individuals every single day, I don't understand how, how it's possible, but they figure it out. Teachers have a relentless will to get through whatever challenge you put in front of them. But they also think that they have to do everything on their own because they're used to not getting that much in the way of support. Let's just be quite honest. And so the way that I think we can really move forward is to allow them to collaborate. 
so that they don't need to be the person delivering every lesson. They don't need to be the person creating every lesson plan, grading every assignment. In every high school, there's typically multiple teachers teaching the same thing. Can we bring them together and allow them to collaborate in that high school? Can we bring all the teachers in the district who are teaching the same subject to collaborate together? And then can we expand it even further beyond? Can we connect all teachers who are teaching the same subjects all around the world together in one unique place? Because each of us, especially these younger generation, we ha all have our own taste. We all have our own interests. And can you relate that same math lesson in a way that makes sense for every individual's unique taste. That's what it's all about on Silk Academy, giving a lot of flavors and a lot of options because teachers are humans, you know, and they all bring their unique personality to the table when they teach something. And so by empowering them to collaborate, we number one, we make the job of teaching just less time consuming, right? It can be more efficient. And what can they do with that time? Well, they can do the same thing that Ms. Wills did with me, which is build that relationship, connect with the individual and get them to find their love of learning. Let's just be honest. Not everyone has the best home situation, right? And sometimes the teacher is the only one who has visibility into the human that's behind that student and what's really going on in their life. And sometimes that needs to be addressed. Well, if you're spending all your time grading papers and doing extracurricular stuff, how much time do you have to develop that relationship? That's the balance that we're trying to seek. We're trying to free teachers up from more of the cumbersome uh, opportunities that they're doing and allow them to spend more time developing that human contact, that interpersonal dynamic that cannot and will not ever be replaced by a computer. Bo, let me ask you this. Um, very exciting stuff and, and totally see this incredible opportunity of making education more relational or focusing on the human aspect. To what extent is Seoul Academy focused on brick and mortar schools versus online schools? You know, this is what's so interesting. We don't view the world as brick and mortar or online or whatever. We view ourselves as the deliverer of content. We are the connector of content from a great educator to a student, wherever they may be. It can be applied in any context. It can be complied in a traditional brick and mortar school, a virtual school, a home school, a pod, whatever it is. It's the same learning. See, we look at it as like a decoupling of the content and the application of that content. I, the student, may watch an educational video at any time of the day. At, in the morning, I might be in a brick and mortar school. In the afternoon, I might be in an enrichment program. At night, I might be in my room playing Fortnite and just pop over to an educational video. They should have the ability to take agency regardless of where they physically are. That's tremendous. So do you, as a solution, do you integrate with existing learning management systems? Uh, can people take your content and upload it into their learning management system and deliver it to their students? Absolutely. So we have a native integration with Google Classroom. I know a majority of teachers are on that. When you come to Soul Academy, if you see a video that you like, you can share it to your Google Classroom in a single click. We also have an integration with pretty much every other uh, LMS out there by simply sharing the URL of that video. You could plug it into Schoology or Teams or whatever Canvas, it is that yeah. you're using. Canvas, yes. Fabulous, fabulous. So what are some of the products that you've been able to build already? So, so if I'm, a, if I'm a, a, you know, a social entrepreneur and I'm starting an online school and I, I, I don't want to create all the curriculum myself and I, I hear about this amazing 
opportunity and I want to license some of your curriculum. How does that process work? Well, here's the beauty of it. It's all available for free. All the content is available for free. And we made this conscious decision to go at a slightly different angle, meaning we are, as I mentioned in the beginning, equity is huge to me, right? The idea was to bring the content to the underserved students. So therefore we can't put up this paywall, but we also need to compensate our creators. And how do we do that? Well, we saw a unique opportunity, and that is the involvement of parents. What I learned in talking with teachers is there are so many teachers looking to complement their income, and schools are looking for ways to complement the teacher income because they can't necessarily give raises, and they're really worried about attrition going into the new school year. There's also, at the same time, hundreds of millions of parents who are way more invested with both their time and treasure than they were a year ago in their child's education. And so we seek to connect these two. We've created a marketplace where a teacher can sell his or her resources to all these concerned parents who want to help their child who's struggling with math, who's struggling with reading, who's struggling with English, but they're not educators. And so they don't know where to begin. We'd make it really simple for them to find the lessons that they need. And then also a lesson plan that a, say, a parent could, could go through to help their third grade child who's struggling with reading, right? And this is the idea behind our marketplace, which allows us to create all the content, allow all the content to be consumed for free, because we believe the, the inner uh, connection between these educators and parents is going to be massive to the scale of something we've never seen before in education. Wow. <clears throat> so, so I love this idea, idea of kind of dematerializing the school building and creating agency. Um, there seems to be an interesting time in history where we have this intersection of immersive technology and uh, cryptography which would allow for teachers to leverage uh, their skill sets and talents in a unique and new way. Have you begun to explore, uh, you know, blockchain and what that will mean for the future of education or uh, augmented and virtual reality and, and, and how those pieces fit into creating the common courtesy of connection that you long for in, in the relational aspect of your work? Yeah, wow, what a great question. I, I've been thinking about this quite a bit and having some conversations, and yes, absolutely. So how can we leverage you know, the future of technology? Soul Academy sees itself as the content platform of choice. So we're actually having conversations with many different organizations who apply content. Ways that you could apply content or some that you, met, you mentioned, virtual reality, augmented reality, gaming, learning management systems, all these sorts of things are gonna be able to plug into the content that they see on Soul Academy and allow us to be really the, the, the breeding ground for amazing educational content. And then we will make that available to anyone who's got a great idea on how to apply that content. So there's a million ways to learn something. And so we don't necessarily get involved with the actual application of the content. We want amazing partners to come up with those ideas and build on top of this massive Soul Academy library. You also bring up a really interesting point on the monetization and the ownership of this content. It's something that we're very, very much interested in because we can believe it can be incredibly lucrative for these educators once they own a piece of content. If it goes viral, they should reap the rewards of the, that virality. If your video goes viral on other social platforms, that platform will make a fortune. 
you will probably make very little unless you've been doing it for a very long time. And even if you have, they still take the majority of the revenue from the ads that are shown before your video. We believe that advances in blockchain technology and NFTs and all these things will flip that model on its head and allow anyone who wants to compensate the creator to do so directly, right? So I'm a parent and I have means and I like the videos that this educational creator is, is making, I compensate them directly. That is absolutely the future of where we're headed with Soul Academy. It's not here today, so it's still kind of theoretical, but I love the way you're thinking and that, that, that is 100% where we're headed. So Bo, I would love to transition in just a little bit and ask you a little bit more about the philosophy of decentralizing education. Um, I mentioned earlier that you've got an awesome Telegram channel about decentralized education. Tell us a little bit more about your vision for that philosophy and why right now in 2021 is the right time to be having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been having conversations with, you know, hundreds of teachers and I got to tell you, there are brilliant, inspiring, creative people. And I think creative people need to be free to express their creativity. That's why when it comes to Soul Academy, we don't tell teachers how to teach or what to teach or when to teach. We want them to feel free to teach all the things that get them excited because that passion is going to transfer to the students who watch those videos. And then as soon as a student sees that video, they're going to have that interest intrinsic motivation to take agency over their own learning. That's how we really view this thing. A lot of other websites, they offer courses. I don't necessarily see courses on TikTok or YouTube or Snapchat. What I see is a bunch of short videos that students kind of piece together. And that's the nature of decentralization. If you look at these social platforms, they're already decentralized. You can watch a video from a user, you know, anywhere in the world that has something to do with one thing. And the next video has nothing to do with that. That's what our brains have been accustomed to. Like that's what we're expecting. And that's the format of, of education that we believe is going to become very successful in the future is that decentralized model where you're still learning math. You're still learning reading, you're still learning these things, but it's structured very differently. Maybe you do part of the lesson in school, maybe you do part at home. You know, maybe you do part speaking to somebody and part is done on your cell phone. It's all fine. It's just about decoupling the concept of the knowledge and the acquisition of that knowledge and allowing it to match each student's needs and each student's life. That's tremendous. Um, so as a follow-up, you know, one of the things I think that's kept education centralized for so long is uh, the credentialing game, right? Um, we, we turn to these massive central institutions for uh, whether it's a high school diploma or a college degree or uh, licenses, certificates. Um, how far away do you think are we from a future where teachers are empowered to issue their own micro-credentials through blockchain and thus kind of uh, make that idea of the centralized institution for credentialing obsolete. Well, I think you're already starting to see the genesis of this. And the reason why I say this, I'm speaking with a lot of people about the concept of agile thinking inside of education, right? Agile thinking is a concept that comes from software development. It's very big in technology companies, but it's also applicable to teaching and learning in general. 
there isn't really a credential for who's the agile teacher of education, but people are doing it. And students really want to learn real life skills. Every time I talk with high school students, I want to know how to get a job. I want to know how to take care of my finances. I want to know how to get into college. I want to know how to do real world things. There isn't a book or a certification for these. So you're going to have this kind of dual system where, you know, a lot of traditional education is formalized, but a lot of the things that people want to learn is not formalized and there's room for both right i think eventually the newer concepts will grow into the you know formalized stuff because it's great to have certifications like i actually learning something right this is this is valid this isn't like uh you know just make it up physics this is real physics right, right? right. and that's really important and there is a there's space for both right? It doesn't have to be either or. If I'm a student and I ate breakfast and I slept really well and I want to push myself, then I should be able to go down that like very high academic path and, you know, go for a five on the AP exam. But if I didn't sleep well, if I, you know, if I haven't um, eaten this morning, if whatever's going on in my life is preventing me from being at my best academically, well, I shouldn't just not be able to learn because I'm not necessarily in the learning state right now. I should be able to learn something else. You know, maybe I just study something about my passion or an interest or something, you know, creative that day, but the learning doesn't need to stop. We don't have to look at it as a binary thing. You know, you're either doing something credentialed or not. There's space for everything and every type of learner. That's tremendous. Um, Bo, let me ask you this. So, so there are people listening to our podcast excited about engaging with Seoul Academy. Uh, these folks represent public schools, private schools, charter schools, independent schools, parochial schools. And so you said that the content was free. So if I'm a school leader and I want my students, my scholars to have access to Seoul Academy, uh, what does that process look like? Are you are you aligned with state standards? Can I take a uh, you know Can I take a uh, music class uh, with you, or is it just the traditional academic verticals? What what all do you offer right now? You know, our content is as diverse as our content creators, and it reflects their interests. So I'm talking with teachers in probably all 50 states, but also over 20 different countries around the world. And they're free to teach anything that they want as long as it's educational. We also have the ability for these content creators to tag their content. Now, there might be two science lessons, and one of them is aligned to the standards in Texas, you know, the techs, and there might be another one that's aligned to the standards in Louisiana, right? Completely different set of standards. The content creator is able to tag that video with that specific standard code that it aligns to so that an administrator can very easily curate the content and say, well, we only want to show this in this class or, you know, in this class, it's more to the student's agency. We basically give the school the ability to pick and choose whatever the content is that they like. But most importantly, it's a great way way for these schools to bring all of their content in one place so that their own teachers can collaborate. If you think of, you know, I, I live in Clark County in Nevada, right? There's probably 50,000 teachers here. So we have thousands of high school math teachers. If we could just get all their content in one place, they could have an incredible content library that's aligned to the standards here in Nevada, and they would never have to really look outside of their own teaching community because they have so many. And for any other school or state who aligns to the same standards, they could leverage that same content. So it's an open decentralized model. 
and we're happy to work and make it work for your school, right? We have the ability to adapt it so that it fits your framework. That's the thing, right? It's all about the creator and the schools are creators as well. And if you need something that adapts and you only want to show certain types of video to your students, you can absolutely do that. We can make it work for you. And I love speaking with educators. I always offer I will put you on my calendar if you're willing. Hit me up at at Soul Academy, S-O-L-C-A-D-E-M-Y on all social platforms on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, whatever else I forgot, <laughs> or at Soul Academy on all those. I'd love to help you get on this journey. That's tremendous. Do you have anybody shooting in the 360 video yet or is it all just traditional? I haven't seen any 360 videos, but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some. Very cool. Well, um, this is this is really exciting. Where do you see Seoul Academy in, in five years? Great question. So in, in five years, what we really want to be is a data provider. We want to take event level data, which means tell you what learners are watching and when they started and when they stopped and what they watched before and after and provide useful insights in a secure private way to every teacher on earth so that they are operating with the same level of analytics and artificial intelligence that Fortune 500 businesses make their decisions off of. See, that is how YouTube and TikTok are so smart at predicting what content that you're going to want to see. They learn from you over time. And this is the concept that we're trying to bring to education and empower educators with, but also educational leaders. I don't believe that educational leaders should have to wait for the results of an assessment to understand what their school's needs are. By looking at the behavior of their students, they can know what the students' needs are immediately. They don't have to wait for that exam in a year, right? They don't have to wait for report cards and all these things. They can know in day number one, hey, our students need support in this area. We've really got to step up what we're delivering in that area right away. And that's the future. It's providing high quality data and insights and analytics to teachers and school leaders. Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. What do you see as being the main obstacles to all of this? What are some of the challenges you anticipate having to overcome? There's only one challenge that we really have to overcome, Ryan, to make it really simplistic. And it's this red circle that's on everybody's cell phone. It's the record button. If I could just get every teacher to press that red button and record what they do every day, I truly believe we would eliminate any learning loss, any learning slide, what achievement gap, whatever you want to call it, because we would have an incredible content library of millions and millions of high quality videos from just one day of recording. So if every teacher out here who hears this would just press record the next time that they're going to deliver some instruction and upload it to Soul Academy, we would be off and running in this thing would be taking off like nothing you'd ever seen before. So I get it. It's scary. It's, it's frightening to hear yourself speak. You don't want to say something stupid and like, you don't want like necessarily the way your hair looks or you didn't do your makeup right that day, whatever it is. No one likes to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, we're all petrified of making those videos, but that magic that you're creating in that classroom could help a student a world away who you have no idea. But if you don't press that red button, it will never get to them. So that is my plea. 
So Bo, for those who are uh, the more skeptical amongst us, right? You know, I like to, to, to push uh, the envelope here. Um, you know, how do you, how do you take, if you said the big, big, big barrier is the record button. If you were able to record all of the teachers uh, in the world, how do you leverage that information in a way that doesn't lead to ultimately artificial intelligence teachers, avatars teaching the courses over time? Because if you have the sum total of all the teacher knowledge, why do you need a human anymore? Because at the end of the day, it's about that connection that I had with Miss Wills. I will never have a connection with an artificial intelligence like that woman has with me when I was, when I was in fourth grade. She saw me for who I was. She put me on a path to be successful. She supported me along the way. She saw things that a computer can't see and had conversations with me that a computer can't have. What we seek to do is be your teaching assistant so that you can really give that one-on-one -on -one interpersonal connection with all of your students to help them out through whatever it is that they're going through. I think academically, there's so much great resources and content out there that a properly motivated student can get an A on any exam. But what they can't do is learn how to process their emotions, how yeah. to become a better friend, how to deal with a home situation that isn't necessarily secure or food insecurity or something like right. that. You know, right. we, a lot of times we assume that kids have great lives. Well, the reality is a lot of them don't, especially after this economic downturn. We've got to start addressing the needs of the human being. And that's like my, my, my like way long time vision is that every student is viewed for the human needs that they have. Their academic needs are really addressed through Soul Academy, but the teacher is going to be there for them as a human. Well, so does that, then, uh, does that then put us in a future where teachers, uh, you know, the teaching profession is, is less about pedagogy and more about counseling, social work, um, community organizing, that sort of thing. I think, like, are, are we open I think to whenever, to, to Yeah, and I, I see it all the time, you know, that you talk to a teacher, you know, I ask people whenever they connect with me, please tell me about your favorite teacher. No one ever said, wow, this person really explained math to me like better than anyone else. They said, no, this person was interesting. They were fun. They cared about me. They loved me. They supported me. That's what it is. That's the reward that you get from teaching something to somebody else. Because guess what? We have this thing called Wikipedia and you can literally learn anything if you want to. But somebody's got to pat you on the back after you've had a rough day and say, hey, it's okay. Why don't we you know, talk about what happened and then move on? And that is the piece that yeah. I know teachers love to, to do in their job. I think teachers don't turn into social workers, Ryan. I think they turn into coaches, performance coaches. There you go. And there I think that's the, yeah, that's, that's the less, the that's the less dystopian way to, to see it. Okay. Uh, I know we're going to, I know, I know we're going to continue in another session, but I do want to hit one thing before we close this session out. So conceptually, I get that right now you're manufacturing demand. You're spinning up the amount of content it's, you know, the, the key performance indicator is, you know, do we add new content every day? And I get the long-term vision, which is let's curate all of the best teaching in the world in these videos and let's collect the data. That's phase one and maybe phase five. Where, what is phase two, three, and four that gets you from phase one to phase five, Bo? Because this is an incredible vision 
but they're going to be some interesting milestones, right? To get from mm-hmm. day one to day five. How do you get, how do you, what's two, three, and four look like? That's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> that is why I am on Telegram. That's why I'm on LinkedIn. That's why I'm inviting amazing educators to connect with me. Help me fill in that gap because I can get you the content. I can't get it into the hands of the student. The teacher's got to, or the parent, or whoever, you know, somebody else. We can't wait for technology to deliver this. I've looked into the AI thing, and I'm telling you, it's many, many years away, if ever, becoming a reliable deliverer of information. Um, someone's got to answer the question when the student's hands go up. Someone's got to look at the student and say, did you eat today? Someone's got to be in the application of that knowledge. Yeah. And that's not going to be Soul Academy, but it's going to be organizations that we partner with. You're exactly right. How soon are, are kindergarten parents going to say, yeah, I'd prefer that AI teacher. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, my, I have a nephew, he's three years old. I love him to death. He's adorable. And, you know, you try sitting the kid down on a zoom <laughs> and getting him to do whatever. Why should you? He's awesome. He has so much energy. He loves to play. He loves trucks. He loves his scooter and all these things. And can I teach him some useful life concepts while we're on a scooter? Yeah. Can an AI do that? No. Right. That's the thing. So let's say the nail let's, on the head here because I think that you know one of the things that you know Adam and I have talked about over and over again is is you know we've seen uh, over the course of the pandemic here that we have now had teachers more burned out than ever because of the Zoom stuff and at the same time there seems to be more appreciation than ever on the part of parents and a part of the community as a whole for what it is the teachers do every day. So what is it that we need to do? We need to get teachers back with their students. We need to get teachers back feeling, uh, you know, fulfilled themselves by the relationships they have with the students. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully now with this renewed appreciation that everyone has, but we got to get that human connection back. And I think that, you know, what you're pointing out is that that technology advancement that we are excited about that we're witnessing that's that's not replacing relationships that not that's not replacing the human touch what it is is it's empowering teachers to have more time to have that human touch and now we know how much we need it right in ways that we didn't perhaps truly understand before 100 percent. i couldn't say that is what it's all about you got into teaching because you love yourself and you love kids right? right and i am trying to give you the time to do those things that you love yeah tremendous um so we are gonna go ahead and call this a wrap on part one Bo has graciously agreed to stick around and and do uh a part two for us we've got so much to talk with them uh always great to talk to kindred spirits always great to talk to people who are doing some amazing thinking about uh what comes next in education so to all of our listeners we hope you'll stick around uh and we'll see you at part two